Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. Well, if you missed your workout, you got a workout. I think singing with all your heart is good for the lungs. I think it's good for the spirit, too. That could be the Holy Spirit, or that could be feedback. It's funny sometimes. I'm just thinking about that. You need the Holy Spirit to kind of cut the noise down in your life, but sometimes there's just a lot of of noise and the Holy Spirit is in it somehow. He's got to get right next to the right people in the right places and he starts taking the noise out and starts letting you know that what's going on in your life right now today, that some part of it is actually part of his plan and that today is preparation for tomorrow because none of us would prepare for tomorrow. I'm preaching uh, the final part of ghost stories today the Holy Spirit and you. The Holy Spirit and you. The Holy Spirit and you. I can go all day if you make me. The Holy Spirit and you. <laughs> the role of the Holy Spirit in the church, the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. You know that you can't see around the corner. So all you do today is prefer, prepare for what you can see tomorrow in every part of your life, but the Holy Spirit can see around the corner. And he sees around that corner and he sees around that. And 10 years from now, he sees that too. And your life today is preparation for that. I wonder if you will lean into the Holy Spirit and get everything that you need today. I'm preaching a sermon called The Story You Tell. The Apostle James said this, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Now there's this part where your uh, wanting has to align with God's wanting. Because if you're just asking for ice cream at 7 in the morning, well, that would make him a bad father. Not that I've been a bad father, but maybe a couple of times. Yeah, can we have ice cream? Yeah, sure, why not? What you don't know is that this is the James who was... Uh, very likely the half-brother of Jesus, or the brother of Jesus. James, who did not follow Jesus while Jesus was alive and doing ministry. I mean, if you're skeptical of faith and you're here and you're just checking it out, what would your older brother have to do to prove that he was the son of God? <laughs> I think even the hardest skeptic must be like, in Jesus, brothers, it says in the New Testament that even they did not believe in Jesus during his ministry. But this James, now this starts to take on a flesh and a life of its own. You don't have from God because you don't ask God. He's like, I lived in and around Jesus. It says that Jesus appeared to James late after the resurrection, proving his lordship. James, this James, the brother of Jesus, just it goes to show that proximity, everybody, to the Son of God and proximity to the Holy Spirit is not the same thing as connection. You can grow up in church your whole life and not have connection with the Holy Ghost. Not have connection with the Son of the living God and the Father in heaven. And I think James is speaking this like you don't have what you want from God because you just won't ask him. And he's saying, I grew up with Jesus and his guys and I just, I never asked. And he's afterwards, I mean, this is the James who the early church tradition says that his knees looked like camel's knees because he prayed so much. 
He's like, I didn't get this right in the first part of my life, but I got this right in the last part of my life. I asked God, but I wonder if he would look at you with the spirit of the living God here right now and just be like, ask. Don't let all this time go past without asking. You have to ask. It brings out humility in you. I wish I'd have just asked. He was right there. All those years, he was right there, and I just wouldn't ask because I was living in my flesh, and I was just trying to do it myself, and it was just so close that I... And familiarity can breed contempt. Familiarity with the Holy Spirit can breed contempt as well. And I want this sermon series that I'm ending today. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to the Holy Ghost afterwards and get you prayed for and have people just pray for you and lay hands on you. But I don't want you to share James's regrets. I don't want you to be James at the end of your life and be like, why didn't I ask? Why didn't I go after everything? Keep on knocking and keep on asking. And remember, we read that in the series. Like, keep at it until you get it. Keep, there's this persistence thing. Keep at it till you get it. Thanks, Jim. Give our worship team a hand today. Oh, my goodness. We don't worship them, but man, they helped us just walk right into the presence of God. And I so appreciate every dream teamer. You, you come here and you don't come to church for you. You come to church to serve the city. And I, I just love you so much. Thank you for, for your commitment to the name of God. I love worshiping with you. Oh. We've been talking about the Father heart of God this series. We've been talking about the roles of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has a role like that of mom in a human condition, the nurturer, the comforter, the exhorter, the encourager, you know, the Holy Spirit. And you'll also notice that Jesus is no longer here on earth, but he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, who, and you're going to do mightier works than I ever did. And so the, Jesus has sent us the Holy Spirit, but I wonder if you and I have the right relationship with the Holy Spirit that we need to have. I wonder if you understand that there is this 50% of your relationship with God that God will not do because it's in your court. Have you ever considered that? Sometimes because God can do everything, we think that he will do everything, but um, if you take one thing home today, it's not our, God's job to do our job. I don't know what your dad was like, but my dad would never do for me what I could do for me. It's not God's job to do our job. Sometimes we come into faith and we realize that salvation and forgiveness, it's all free because you don't pay for it. But everything else will cost you. There's this thing where, where we, we get out of sync with church and morality and ethics. and Because what, what we, every place else is conditional. Our, our being loved is, seems like it's conditional on us acting a certain way. But see, in the house of God, it's not like that. You had a relationship provided for you completely free of charge. But to maintain that relationship, you have to start thinking about what's my 50%. What's my 50%? My 50%. My 50 cent just to... Shorten that up. My 50 cent. What's my 50 cent in this relationship with God? My 50 cent. I thought that was very clever. I practiced that. What's my 50%? There's, there's 50% in family. I had to take out the garbage when I was a kid. I didn't particularly like it. But there's my 50%. Now, the funny thing is that you come to, to God and it's like, my 50% doesn't look like God's 50%. Because this is actually how it works. In your closest relationships, your 50% needs to be your 100%. Everybody. It needs to be all, you are all in, you are all into this thing. No back doors. 
in your relationship with God, your 50% needs to be all of you. Because God's 50% is all of him. But this is where we get a little mixed up because we're like, but he has so much more than I do. And God's like, right, I do. But to get it to you, here's your 50 cent. Here's what, if you do this, then I can do this. And we get a little bit mixed up because we're like, salvation was free. And he's like, yeah, but your 50%, your 50 cent in salvation was still like admitting that you were a terrible sinner. Well, I'm not a murderer. Yeah, you've murdered people in your heart. I had a couple of those this week. Anybody? I'm like a murder, murder, but just like, you know, hit them in the parking lot a little bit. Just like a little bit. Just nudge them. Just wound them. Your 50% there is this admission and this decision to serve and follow Christ. God's 50% is enabling you to actually do what you promised to do because you can't. And so we come to God and then we get all hung up with this 50 cent sort of thing that that we, we start thinking it's God's job because he has so much more than us to do our part for us. But God is, not, is a good father. He will never enable your bad behavior or spoil you as a child. He will never step over the line and, and make you do your 50%. That's up to you. Have you ever figured out, like, in a relationship, there's your 50%. You can't make the other person do this. All you can do is be all into to what you need to do. This idea that love is unconditional, but the blessings are not. Oh, raise your kids with this. Come on now. This is how my parents raised me. Like, we will love you no matter what you do. But we don't have to support everything that you do. We don't have to accept everything that you do. Guys, I used to, my buddy Steve and I used to put pennies in fence posts and shoot them with 22s from six inches away. It rebound and ricochet past our ears and we'd hear it go zing and we'd be like, whew, that was close. Another penny, chamber another round. Ding. So we were out of pennies. <laughs> Nobody should do that. We did that. Bunch of one-eyed kids walking around. See, my father could love me unconditionally no matter what I did. Like, love unconditionally. But there was this other thing like, but if you want to live healthy and not die then here's your 50 cent. And if you want to eat and live indoors, then here's how you talk to mom. Let me tell you how to talk to mom, because mom, mom is Irish, and mom can yell at you, but oh, buddy. If you want to eat and live here, don't you ever raise your voice at your mother. She can yell at you all she wants to, because she's mom. Your 50 cent... You have to understand how the roles work. You have to understand that God will never do for you what you can do for you. And then God will ask you to pay it forward. And he's like, okay, I've got all this blessing to pour out to you. But I need you to do this for them so that I can pour out this to you. And we're like, but God, you have it. Just give it. Here's the thing. God does not respond to need. He responds to faith. He responds to obedience. Well, how come God hasn't fixed the world problem? Because he gave the authority of the world to mankind. Mankind gave it to the devil. The devil broke it. And then God is just trying to fix what mankind gives him to fix. Right? You could be mad at God because somebody you love got a disease and passed away. It was not God's fault. God can only redeem what is given to him by mankind. That's how it works. One day we get it all, but then, then you, we have people that come into this Christianity thing real soft, and they're like, okay, so God's going to make me happy? And God's like, happy. Healthy people are happy people. 
So let's get you healthy. Well, you mean I can't eat chips and watch Netflix all day? Well, not if you want to be happy. Happy and healthy, and here's some things that you got to do. This is your 50 cent. I'm not going to do that for you. God's not going to come down and run in your treadmill for you. It's not like a dual bike that God's going to ride, you know, ride around town, like pedal doing all the work. Well, you get to steer your own little boat. That's not, no, no, no. Let's let God drive and you do the pedaling. You're fitting. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Let me tell you, there are some things about God, your Heavenly Father, that seem hard if you look at it from the outside without the help of the Holy Spirit. But you need to understand that He is just and He is fair and He is true. And He wants to raise you to reach your destiny. And He can't do that with some applied pressure. Let me explain this to you. Let me explain this to you. That was good. I feel like half of you missed that. God cannot let you reach your destiny without pressure because pressure creates character. And without character, you're just going to get a platform and use it all for you and blow everybody's brains up in the end. I mean, it's a... That's just what happens, man. You put people without character on a platform, and then every... Oh, I'm going to preach today. <laughs> so this is what... One, one day, my dad taught us, because we grew up in, in, in church, and we grew up... My mom and dad were my pastors, and so he taught, he taught us, guys, when you're sick, come and pray. We'll ask us to pray for you, and we'll pray for you. And so, because, you know, find the elders of the church. James, the same brother of Jesus wrote, you know, if you're sick, pray for the elders of the, you know, get the elders of the church to pray for you. And so we would do this. Well, one day I'm like, dad, I'm not feeling good. Could you come and pray for me? And, and so this is dad. And he goes, you have like a cold? I'm like, yeah, I got like a cold. My nose is running and stuff. And dad's like, were you the kid who was running around outside yesterday without a jacket on? <laughs> yes, sir. Why would I um, pray for you? <laughs> like, should we waste our time and heaven's time praying for a kid who won't put a jacket on? That's how the world works. What are you not wearing a jacket in right now in your life? You're leaving yourself exposed to sin? What are you not wearing a jacket about? Because, I mean, look, God loves you and God forgives you and Dad loves me unconditionally, but sometimes the kid gets a runny nose and it's his own dang fault. You know what he did that day? I put a jacket on when I go outside now. Hallelujah. I got it. I got the lesson. Some of you are praying for far too much, but you won't do your 50 cent. And your 50 cent has to do, in, in this thing here, it has to do with the Holy Spirit. If you respect the Holy Spirit of God, God will be able to get you what you need. But there's your 50 cent. God will always back up the Holy Spirit. Some Christians' view of and opinions about the works and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are shocking to me. I grew up in church culture, y'all. I can preach to you. I've heard all sorts of weird crap from Christians about the Holy Spirit and what he does and what he's allowed to do. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Holy Spirit, in Venue Church, you come and do anything you want to. This is all for the God our Father in heaven. This is all about you. Anytime you want to, you just come and decide, just come and do your thing. We're here just to facilitate the working of the Holy Spirit so that God the Father can get you what you need and get your neighbor what they need too. But here's the thing. Your 50 cent is this little thing called ordering off the right menu. Whenever I'm in the States, I eat at In-N-Out Burger and gain 10 pounds. And the In-N-Out Burger menu is really small. But you know what I found out last time I was there? I found out there's this whole other off menu 
that could be my menu. I'm like, we can order what now? Oh yeah, but you just got to know where to find it. So here's what I've watched people do. Ask God for a, you know, asking God, but you're only ordering off the menu that you know. Now here's the thing. We, we assume, we have this weird spot where we assume that God will always hand us the right menu, but then Jesus is like, seek and you will find. We assume that God's going to trot the right door right in front of you, and it's going to be the only door that you want to knock on. Seek and you will find. Ask and will be given. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Seek. Things will appear to you, but it won't be the end of the road. It won't be around the corner. No, no, no. Seek and you will keep looking. Keep looking. Keep seeking. Keep, keep knocking. Sometimes the door closes and we get all angry at God. And God's like, yeah, no, that wasn't the door that I had for you anyways. I just needed you to knock on that one. Now there's a bigger door. There's this other thing around the corner. And your job is actually to go to heaven. And here's, here's the problem. A new few one time told me, he's like, you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> Powerful words from Newfoundland. Anybody know any Newfies? They have this way of taking the world and putting it into phrases. You don't know what you don't know, boy. You don't know what you don't know. James is like, you don't have what you want from God because you don't ask. But here's what I would say to you. You don't even know what to ask for. Sometimes you have to ask for what to ask for. How can God give you something in a prayer time that you don't even know what to ask for? You don't even know the words to use to ask God for what to ask for. And you think like, God, if you would just give me this and your menu is so limited. And God is like, I have three options from Corey. His three options are not even what would fix it. Not even what would bless him. I have this whole other menu, but he's not asking for it. Meaning Christians, you only know what you know. And someday you're going to get to heaven and I'm going to get to heaven and I'm going to be like... Why didn't I ask for what to ask for more? I just didn't. I didn't have enough humility. I lived in proximity to the Spirit, but not in connection to the Spirit. I didn't even ask for what to ask for. I missed it. I missed all of this life that you had for me. I don't want to get to heaven and have a bunch of regrets. So I'm going to make up for lost time. But this is what we got to do. See, a long time ago, I was, I was walking out in the fields, and I walked up this, this, um, this hill. And this hill overlooked, this hill overlooked, and I saw in the distance another hill with some rock formations on there and some cool looking trees. And I'm like, I'm going to go from here over to here. And so, let's see, I got to change this. It's over there. I'm me. That's the hill. And so I start walking, and I had to walk down into a valley. And then I came up the other side, and I land on the top of the hill. And I'm looking around, and I'm like, boy, this looks different than what I thought that I was going towards. The picture I had in my head, sometimes the picture you have in your head of uh, how your teenager is going to turn out. <laughs> and you get on this hill, and I'm like, this picture you have of what your career was supposed to look like by now. And I get on this hill, or your marriage, and I look on this, and, and I walked around for like 10 or 15 minutes. I just walked around this hill, and I'm just like, I finally got to the place. I thought, I guess this is the hill that I was looking at it's just different and I just kind of settled and then I did something that was crucially wrong that you and I do I told myself a story that made where I landed okay I told myself a story 
See, sometimes what we do is heaven gives us a target and our arrows miss the target and then we just tell ourselves that we just move the target. God in heaven has all of this supply, but I wasn't asking for what to ask for and I just finally decided, I guess this is the hill. And I guess it just looks different and I guess it's... Then I went home. And all week long, it just bugged me. I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would give you a holy discontent about something in your life today because if you're comfortable, you're going to stay where you are because you got a story. Well, I can't because she won't. I can't because I don't have. And I can't because my boss won't. You think God in heaven is like, right, you can't because what now? Right. Right. It's the car you drive that's stopping you from reaching your destiny. Right. I can't get, I can't, I'm not big enough as God to fix that. I'm not big enough to get, come on. I'm not big enough to, right, that's the problem. So all week long, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, then I went out and I walked the hill again. And I stood on this hill, and I looked down to that hill, and I started walking into the valley. But this time, I didn't stop walking. Because I'd been all over this hill, but there was a whole bunch of trees, and I just kept walking. And sometimes you just got to press, and I just kept walking. And I kept walking, and I got out to the edge of this other hill, and I saw in the distance the hill that I was really trying to get to. See, what you don't know is that when you're down in a trench, you cannot see... All there is to see, and there was another hilltop that I couldn't see from where I was in the first hilltop, and I just stopped walking and told myself a story that it was okay, and that that must be the hill, and it wasn't what I thought, and it wasn't what I dreamed about, and it wasn't my destiny, but I guess it was where I landed, and I guess it was, I was going to have to settle for it, and God's like, why don't you just keep walking? And I kept finding this other, and many of you have stopped in your Christianity because you have just stopped, and you landed on a hill. Your relationship with God, specifically with the Holy Spirit, you landed on a hill because somebody told you that's all there is. And God, your Heavenly Father, is like, that is not all there is. Jesus is like, that is not all there is. There is more. You just got to keep walking. You just got to keep. Oh, that's good. That preached. Acts chapter 1. During the 40 days after Jesus suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. Because the apostles are all standing on a hilltop saying, is this all that there is? We've been given this mission to reach the world, but man, we're scared. They just crucified our master. What are they, they going to do to us? And he was Jesus. <laughs> we're not. He proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. <laughs> like I love that Jesus, after he rises from the dead, appears to people. Y'all think to yourself that you wouldn't be like them, but you're exactly like them. Jesus could actually show up face to face, eat a meal with you, and have to prove that he's there. I don't know. He looks like Jesus, but... Right, because somebody's going to dress up like Jesus and eat a meal with you after. It kind of looks familiar. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not... Many Christians have failed in obeying this command. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water. But in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Don't leave Jerusalem. You don't have enough power yet. Don't leave Jerusalem. What he's saying here is John baptized your bodies. You are three parts, body, soul, spirit. John baptized your bodies. I have a solution, he says, for your bodies to cleanse you of sin. It's symbolic, but John baptized you with water for repentance in my name. I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so when you become a Christ follower, your spirit actually becomes alive because only your spirit really connects with God ultimately in that sense. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit. 
spirit and in truth. So your spirit becomes alive. Nicodemus says, how can I be born again to Jesus? He's like, must I enter my mother's womb? And Jesus is like, that's super gross. What are you talking about? No, no, there's this other thing that comes alive inside of you. Why are you so weird? (laughs) If you're a weird Christian, it's still weird, everybody. (laughs) Enter your mother's womb and what? Why would you? Oh my goodness, just listen. (laughs) Just shut up and listen, Nicodemus. You're so smart, but you're so stupid. <laughs> and so what happens is there's this solution for that. Your spirit is alive because the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, a well springing up, the scripture says, that gives you eternal life, that gives you connection with God. But what about your soul? You know, in this series, I had to get you to distrust your soul, your mind and your will and your emotions, the things you desire, the things that you feel and the things that you think. I had to get you to distrust your soul because the problem is all of these disciples are now trying to follow Christ and they don't even have enough to live in Jerusalem. Let's be honest under this kind of pressure because they're still in the power of their soul. And if the devil can't get you out of the family of God, he'll keep you from the inheritance of God. And the inheritance of God is that the Holy Spirit baptized your soul. Because your soul is your greatest barrier to God. Your own mind and will and emotions are your greatest barrier to God. There is nothing else that can keep you from connection with God. Nothing else but what's inside of you. There's a lot of soulish Christians walking around. You look at Peter. I love Peter, but Peter's just like, I'm going to follow you. You know, you, you promised to God as a Christian. I'm going to follow you. I'm, he's like, I'm way better than all these other idiots at the table. The Last Supper, read, read The Last Supper. Like, I'm way better than all these guys. I'm so much better. I'll follow you if it costs me everything. And he's like, Jesus is like, you're going to betray me three times before the night is out. And Peter's like, if I have to die for you. <laughs> Jesus in brackets is like, and one of them is going to be a little servant girl. <laughs> little elementary school girl. Peter's like, I will. But he couldn't. Peter's in the room. See, a soulish Christian has trouble forgiving. Well, you don't know what they did to me. And Jesus is like, yes, I do. No. You have to revisit some of those places in the spirit of God and realize that Jesus was there and what was done to you was done to him. And he's telling you to forgive anyways. In fact, he can't forgive you. You're 50 cent. He can't forgive you until you forgive. Just put it out there. That's your 50 cent. I can't forgive. Jesus is like, yes, you can. And let's not forget whose sins put me on a cross. Not just theirs, but yours too. Forgive. I forgive you. I've forgiven you much more. Look, when the Prince of Heaven comes all the way down to earth and dies on a cross here, you act like forgiving down here is a huge deal. And it's hard, and I get it, but you can't do it without the Spirit of God. That's the other thing. He will empower you to do it. But forgiving down here is nothing like Him forgiving you and bringing you up to here. Nothing like it. No, 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 no. We shouldn't. A soulish Christian is like, give 10% of what I earn to God. I can't. I can't afford it. God's like, but I've just told you in the scripture, Jesus said that you should tithe as well. Don't forget love and mercy and all these. But you should tithe, right? Because that's your 50 cent. And you're like, but 90% is less than 100%. And God's like, it won't be. I'm going to shake that all down and I'm going to press it together. And you're going to invest in my kingdom. And I'm going to return it to you 30 times, 30x, 60x, 100x. I'll guarantee your investment. I'll pile it on. And tell you what, I'll take care of your kids for you. You'll have a job. I'll make sure that the vine does not fail to bear fruit in this season. You can sow in famine and I will give you a reward. My economy is up here and the earth's economy is down here. And let's just pretend that I'm better with your 10% than you were anyways. Let's just pretend that I'm God and I'm maybe the economic partner here. I just need your 50 cent. That's all that I need. 
Be kind to my husband. I can't. Have you met my husband? A soulish Christian can't. Because it's all like give and take, and the husband's not giving. And Jesus is like, no, put me in the middle of your relationship and do it for me. But in the power of your soul, you can't if you're going to be a fleshly Christian. And he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This word power means for performing miracles. You need a miracle? You can't piggyback on your dad's faith. You need power for performing miracles, moral power and excellence of soul is what that word means. Moral power to, to flee temptation, to resist the devil. Moral power and excellence of my mind and my will and my emotions now belong to God. Woo! Just about fell over. I got so excited. That word means power. Power and resources arising from numbers. Power consisting in armies and forces. That power upon. That word upon means superimposition of to take charge of, to take you over. Well, God's not a control freak. Absolutely he is. You're the control freak. He's trying to get your life out of your own hands because you're destroying it. He's like, no, no, put me in charge and just do what I tell you and it'll work out. You can miss your workout and it'll work out. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. There's something you only get when the believers meet together in one place. You can love Jesus and have your prayer closet, I'll tell you what. But there are some times when he's like, gather together. I'm going to give it there. I'm showing up there. And that's where I'm doing it. You're like, well, do it in my house. And he's like, I just told you that I'm not going to. Do your 50%. I told you where it's going to happen, so if you want it, then show up. And there is something of the Spirit of God that's going to happen today when we do a ministry time. When I close this sermon, I want you to come down to the front if you want more of the Holy Spirit. I'd be the first one down, except for I have a mic. So I'm the first one up. I want more of the Holy Spirit because my people need me to. I need me to. I need greater power for fleeing temptation. I need more wisdom. I need God to save the people that I love. And I've got to have moral power and excellence of soul. I need more of the Holy Ghost. Let me die asking for more of the Holy Ghost. When our song starts, just come down to the front and we'll just pray for you real quick. If anybody's got a name tag on, if they don't, I don't know who they are. They're kind of weird, and so don't let them pray for you. (laughs) a safe place. It's a safe place. I want you to have more of the Holy Spirit of God, and I want you to be prepared already for coming down and getting prayed for. Well, your 50 cent might be that. You can sit in your chair if you want, but God's like, tell you what, why don't you just come to the front and ask? Well, I might be admitting to everybody that I don't have all that it takes, and everybody around you is like, we know, Mom, just get down to the front. (laughs) Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. That word settled means to set a point to confer a kingdom on one, meaning you can be saved and going to heaven, but that does not mean that you are in a kingdom with the kingdom power upon you. So you can sit in church and be like, hey, I'm all safe and sound here, and your neighbors are far from God. And God's like, don't leave Jerusalem because you're missing this whole key and You're missing the power to reach him. And everyone present was filled. That means filled up, accomplished, completed. Something that started is now getting completed with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the devil gave them this ability. Careful. 
Here's why I love speaking in tongues, and I can, we'll get some teaching to you. I'm not going to go into it right now, but I love speaking in tongues because I don't know what to pray for. I don't know what to ask for, so that's my asking for what to ask for. And I'll tell you what, the Holy Spirit bypasses my soul. It's my spirit. This is what it does. This is a short little clip. Your spirit bypasses your mind and your will and your emotions and goes straight to the Holy Spirit of God, and He fixes stuff that you don't even know that you had a problem with. It works for me. It works for you too. You're struggling with something in your marriage that's so deep and you don't even know what to ask for. There's a purifying work that the Holy Spirit does in me when I pray in tongues. Paul the Apostle said, I pray in tongues more than everybody. Why? Because the work is too great. The pain is too much. I have to. I have to. Verse 12. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. They go out into the crowd and they're praying in tongues out in the crowd and everybody's like freaked out. The others in the crowd ridiculed them. I hope this won't be you. Saying they're just drunk, that's all. Then Peter stepped forward. The Peter who was afraid of an elementary school girl. This Peter. This Peter is not that Peter anymore. He steps forward with the other 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd. Listen, shout it. Listen carefully, all you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. Who is this guy? Do you, know, do you know Jesus? No. The Bible says he swore, like, F this, F that. To a little girl. To people. Come on. You ever read the Bible? He swore and denied Jesus Christ. Who's this guy? This guy is somebody with moral excellence and power in his soul. You're not afraid of dying anymore. He says, these people are not drunk as some of you. Did I offend you with the swearing part? <laughs> Nobody here has ever said a bad word and had mom wash their mouth. That was so... Maybe you're too good for venue tours. <laughs> Watch Peter. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is a bit early, guys. <laughs> All the 11 are like, they could take us and crucify us. Is he, is he joking right now? <laughs> I'm here all week, everybody. Try the veal. this guy there's something about the holy spirit when the holy spirit comes upon you there's this irresistible spirit that comes with you that the hardest person that you could i talked to some people in the city who were like far from god there's something about me that's irresistible to them they just can't stand it they're so curious about why i'm so happy they don't even know why i'll invite literally anybody to church and i have you should come to my church it's awesome i don't go to church well you'd love it i don't believe in god perfect you know, lightning would strike me. I'm like, it probably would, but you can come inside and we'll pray for you too. <laughs> no, what you see, Peter says, was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. There's a dream that God put inside of you if you grew up in church that has not been fulfilled yet. And you have lost sight of it because you're sitting on a hill and you've told yourself a story. You want to get to the dream? Untell yourself the story. Ask for what to ask for. In those days I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. There's this huge thing going on in the States about some guy said that women shouldn't be preachers. Tell you why. Why don't you let God choose whoever he wants to choose? Listen. If you're a church and you don't think that women should do what God has called them to do, then we'll take them. We'll take women leaders and preachers. and It's an old church tradition, but it's not an early church tradition. They read it wrong in culture. 
They got it wrong. Why would you take out most of your workforce? <laughs> God can call whoever he wants to do, man. Without the ladies, nothing gets done. You can preach to me, ladies. I need it. People of God, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. Now he's going to it. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. This Holy Spirit upon him, see the Holy Spirit comes within, but the Holy Spirit now needs to come upon you. Within, he needs to come upon so that there's a river of water flowing out from you, not just a well for you. And this, now he has the courage to face who he used to be. Because he's not thinking about Judas when he says betrayed, he's thinking about Peter. And he's okay with it now. He's been forgiven and he's come to grips with it, but he's not going back in the fight, he's going ahead. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. The same people who yelled crucify like weeks before, he's preaching to the same people. 32, God raised him from the dead and we are all witnesses of this. We are all witnesses of this. And James was there and John was there and everybody's like, no man, <laughs> if you want to mess Peter up, mess Peter up. But And Thomas was there. He's a little weak in the knees right now. He looks white. He's starting to faint. Jesus had to prove like a whole bunch of times in a row that he was actually there and alive and stuff. And man, when you are full of the spirit, you will pull people into the realm of God. You will pull them into their destiny. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the father, as he promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. See, there was a time when Jesus preached that they took him and pierced his hands and feet. But now it says, Peter's word pierced their hearts. And they said to him and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, be baptized in the name of the Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, then, and also both and, not either or, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What does that word receive mean? I wonder. I googled that. This is what the commentaries told me about the meaning of the word used to receive, to make trial of. I've been curious about what this means. To experience, not to refuse or reject, to admit, receive, to catch out, reach after, strive to obtain, to claim, procure for oneself, to make one's own, to receive a person, to give him access to oneself, to take in order to carry away, or perhaps in this case, to be carried away. Well, but wasn't Pentecost a one-time thing? Have you heard this? Is it for every Christ follower? I don't know that it is. Peter says, this promise is to you, your children, and to those who are far away. To all that Jesus has called. Who did Jesus die for? Everyone. Every single one of us. Every single one in the whole world. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. Like I'm going to preach today. <laughs> hours and hours. Strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believe Peter, what Peter said were baptized, added to the church that day. Man, if you haven't been baptized, you just need to get baptized. Added that day. Like, what do we do? Pray this prayer. Here's some water. Let's do it. About 3,000 people in all. 
Perhaps this was permanent and simultaneous with salvation from that time on, though, is what I've heard. Like, the Holy Spirit comes within you, but also at the same time comes upon you. We don't need a separate experience with the Holy Spirit. Uh, in Acts chapter 8 and 14, it says, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he, as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. I was curious what that word receive meant. So I looked it up on the Google. It means to make trial of, to experience, like for yourself. Not what your dad didn't know about the Holy Spirit. You got to experience Jesus for yourself. You got to experience the Holy Spirit for yourself. Not to refuse or reject, to admit, receive, to catch at, to reach after, to strive to obtain, to claim, procure for oneself, to make one's own, to receive a person, give him access to oneself, to take in order to carry away, or perhaps in this case, to be carried away. Woo! It meant the same thing. Charles Spurgeon. This is the one I want. Do you have as much of the Holy Spirit as he wants you to have? I think the answer ought to be no. I think the answer is no. The Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove. You're not better than Jesus, everybody. Charles Spurgeon, I'm going to read an excerpt of his sermon. Every theologian would claim Spurgeon for their own, but let's see what Spurgeon had to say about the Holy Spirit. In a sermon entitled, The Indwelling and Outflowing of the Holy Spirit, John 3 and 38 says, He that believeth on me, this is Jesus speaking, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. That word receive. And I wondered, what does that word receive mean? So I looked it up on the Google. (laughs) To make trial of, to experience. Not to refuse or reject, to admit, receive, to catch at, to reach after. Have you done this yet? Are you doing this to the fullest of your ability, your 50 cent? Are you doing it all? To make one's own, to receive a person, it's the same thing. Not to reject, to experience for yourself. Spurgeon says, but there is another thing to be done as well, and that is to pray. And here I want to remind you of those blessed words of the master. Everyone who asks receives. I love how this circle just came, this sermon just came full circle to where we started. Everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks and keeps seeking finds, and to him who knocks it shall be opened. If a son shall ask for bread from any of you who is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he shall ask for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? If he shall ask for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion sandwich? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to sons and daughters, to those who ask? You see, he says, there is a distinct promise made to the children of God that their heavenly Father will give them the Holy Spirit if they ask for his power. And that promise is made to be extremely strong by the cases joined to it. If there is a promise that God can break, which there is not, it is not this promise. He says, for God has put it in the most forcible and binding way. I do not know how to show you its wonderful force. Did you ever hear of a man who, when his child asked for bread, gave him a stone? Go to the worst part of London, he says. Will you find a man of that kind? I forgot to tell you, this sermon was preached in 1882. Now, tell you what, maybe the same thing will happen to the Canadian church as happened to the English church, to religion in Europe, which is just about non-existent. He preached this sermon then. 
Did everybody partake of the Holy Spirit or not? If we won't do it in Canada, we might, eventually, religion might be what it is in Europe right now, which is not good. They are post-religion. They are post-faith in Christ. He says, it seems, the Lord seems to say that this is what he would be doing if he were to deny us the Holy Spirit when we ask him for his necessary working. He would be like one who gave his children stones instead of bread. Do you think the Lord will ever bring himself down to that? But he says, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He makes it a stronger case than that of an ordinary parent. The Lord must give us the Spirit when we ask him, for he has in this bound himself by no ordinary pledge. He has used a simile, he says, which would bring dishonor on his own name and that of the grossest kind. If he did not give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him, oh then, let us ask him at once with all our hearts. He says, am I not so happy as to have in this audience some who will immediately ask? I pray that some who have never received the Holy Spirit at all may not be led while I'm praying. While I'm speaking to pray, bless Spirit, visit me, lead me to Jesus. But especially, he says, those of you who are the children of God, to you, this promise especially is made. Ask God to make you all that the Spirit of God can make you, not only a satisfied believer who is drunk for himself, but a useful one who overflows the neighborhood with blessing. I see here a number of friends from the country who have come to spend their holiday in London. What a blessing it would be if they went back to their respective churches overflowing. For there are numbers of churches that need flooding. They are as dry as a barn floor and little dew ever falls on them. Oh, that they might be flooded. What a wonderful thing a flood is. Go down to the river, he says. Look over the bridge and see the barges and other craft lying in the mud. All the king's horses and all the king's men cannot tug them out to sea. There they lie, dead and motionless as the mud itself. What shall we do with them? What machinery can move them? Do we have a great engineer among us who will devise a scheme for lifting these vessels and bringing them down to the river's mouth? No, it cannot be done. Wait until the tide comes in. What a change. Each vessel walks on the water like a thing of life. What a difference between the low tide and the high tide. You cannot stir the boats when the water is gone, but when the tide is at the full, see how readily they move. A little child may push them with his hand. Oh, for a flood of grace. May God send to all our churches a great spring tide. Then the indolent will be active enough, and those who are half dead will be full of energy. I know he says, this is Spurgeon, not Pastor Corey, that in this particular dock, several vessels are lying that I should like to float, but I cannot stir them. They neither work for God, nor come out to prayer meetings, nor give of their substance to spread the gospel. If the flood would come, you would see what they are capable of. They would be active, fervent, generous, abounding in every good word and work. So may it be, so it may it be. May springs begin to flow in all our churches, and may all of you who hear me today get your share of the streams. Oh, that the Lord may now fill you and then send you home, bearing a flood of grace with you. It sounds oddly of a, to speak of a man's carrying home a flood within him, and yet I hope it will be so, and that out of you shall flow rivers of living water. May God grant it so for Jesus' sake. Can I hear an amen? We're going to play this song. I want you to hurry out of your seats. And if you need more of the Holy Spirit, get to the front of the church. Get somebody to lay hands on you. Enable somebody else to come down. Bring somebody with you to get prayed for. Let's go. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you'd like to partner with us, please go to venuechurch.ca slash give. Yeah, because a life saved is worth everything.